final furlong podcast is brought to you in association with attheraces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans. Welcome along to the final furlong podcast where the stewards inquiry at the Eclipse for Sandown is still going ahead. So we're going to go straight to the room now and get the latest on how Donica O'Brien is tackling Oshin Murphy. Let's find out what's going on. And... Uh, uh, having heard there what Mr. O'Brien has to say, how would you counter that there, Mr. Murphy? Do you think that she corrected your horse? That went on way too long to quote ITV's Kevin Blake. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, geez, I frustrated the life out of me now, but anyway. ITV pundit and at the races pundit Kevin Blake, his latest article will be available for you to read right now as the podcast is available at, at the races. And also, Jamie Lynch is currently having to present on his own. <laughs> Uh, on ATR tonight but he's been given the Vanessa Ryle rule book and the rules he's just shown them on screen the rules are don't swear don't say boom don't be a heroine at the races bloodstock presenter <laughs> Vanessa Ryle <laughs> hello there I'm sat here watching the channel I'm actually in work and I'm just wondering who stood Jamie Lynch up like I'm sure he's the sort of person that may have been stood up in his life before. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Everyone just wait there. I'm just going to literally, I'll be five seconds. Let me just open the door and have a quick look who, who, who stood them up. Wait there, wait there. Hang on. Um, Count five. This is actually Vanessa Ryle really getting in her car, going to Windsor and turning up to do presenting duties. That's what, that's but you what's can see, what I, what I can do is while Vanessa's gone is I can open up the rota here in front of me and I can tell you before she okay. gets back all Shock. being well oh no King revelation Luke Harvey King revelation no he's he's there on his own no way yeah as in <laughs> he's, he, he's got a present he's presenting the racing <laughs> Vanessa do you feel slighted oh he is I see yes I see <laughs> do you feel slighted Vanessa I feel bad now I feel bad I'd just like to point out that I'm a massive Jamie Lynch fan. It's just like, <laughs> I, I, no, I actually am. We email regularly. I'm a big fan of Jamie Lynch. It's just, I thought Simon Mapletoft would be with him. Did but you, Simon Mapletoft is not with him. Did you send Jamie an email saying, thanks for the offer, Jamie, but I'm afraid that I'm washing my hair that night? <laughs> no. No, no, I didn't. Let's move on. This is an embarrassing start to the podcast once yep. again. Uh, it's, it's surprise, surprise. Vanessa Riley with an embarrassing start to the final Furlong podcast. Anyway, Saxon Warrior defeated again, this time at the hands of Roaring Line. Uh, John Gosden's had a fairly torrid season so far. He's had a lot of success, but he's had the disappointment of enabling being <laughs> in the final. Torrid! Torrid time. He's had cracksman. Surely he's finished. He's done. He'll have to be gelded. There'll have to be blinkers put on him. He should be retired on the back of that awful effort. Poet's word wouldn't even turn up here. That's how bad that form is. Uh, and now he's got another star in the shape of Roaring Line. To clarify, the season's been going great for the stable. It's just that he's two stable stars. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, but he's got another one in Roaring Line. He's clearly a top-class 10-furlong horse. And done, Saxon Warrior. But of course, there was the drama of the stewards' inquiry, and I'm going to take a wild guess here that Donico O'Brien has studied at the school of Colm O'Donoghue's stewards' inquiries, because <laughs> to quote Tony Keenan on Twitter, if the weight finally gets Donica, he should become a lawyer. Oh Jesus! Yeah, we we'll start with the race. It was it was a great race, a great horse race going into it. Um, we. Oh, Baron's going to turn my vibrate off here. Vanessa, you go first there. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> if I had said that, if I had said exactly, that. Exactly, Vanessa. Exactly. Um, so I'm happy to go first, though, because I can talk very passionately about the race because I really, really enjoyed it. It was a great race. Great finish. I love the fact that both those horses were going hammer and tongs to the line. I love the bit of drama with the sort of hustle and bustle of it all and you know, prove that they were just giving their all at bang on the line, both the three-year-olds. Um, by, you know, you could see how far it took for them to pull up. They were just rocking and rolling for furlongs after the line because they, you know, were really at their absolute maximum. And I love that. I love that feeling. Obviously, slight disappointments are that, you know, clarification that the four-year-old division is pretty weak with the 
two, three-year-olds pulling clear and Massa obviously not being in there anyway. Um, but a great race and thought both those two Colts kind of took big steps forward from where they have been previously. Um, but obviously, in my opinion, Roaring Lion is improving race on race, just keeps getting better, whereas Saxon Warrior, yes, obviously, it, it, he is improving improving but I don't think he's improving at the same rate of knots that Roaring Lion is um yeah you look at when you look at where Roaring Lion was and he was last and had to come wide and he had to do all the hard work Saxon Warrior obviously was in a much better position just tracking along a couple back on the rail um I liked John Gosden's sort of race debrief where he was saying that you know this horse Roaring Lion has never pulled so you don't have to to get him in and cover and, you know, get him in with a bit of cover and tuck him in behind something else. You can just, you know, let him not have any cover and be wide if that's if that's the position you end up in. Obviously, it's not ideal, but if that is the position you end up in, then it's not the end of the world with him because he is quite a laid-back colt. And he travelled very sweetly into the race. And then once Asheen Murphy got after him, he looked the winner. It just, he made hard work of it in the end, but he looked the winner for a good way. And they pulled well clear. I thought it was really impressive. I think it's exciting that he probably heads to the Jubmont next. Ten furlongs is his trip. Um, that's pretty clear now, I'd say. And York, you know, he, he's already put in a really sparkling performance there earlier in the season. And I can't see why he wouldn't, you know, if he carries on improving, that's the thing with him. Is they keep banging on about how immature he is. You know, he's always messing around at home and he rolled around a bit in his early days on various different tracks. And even on Saturday, he was rolling around again. Obviously, gave Saxon Worry those three fairly big bumps, which I'm sure Kevin will cover. But I just get the impression that this is a horse that with every race, he's starting to buckle down a bit more and learn his job a little bit more. And then that is adding to his improvement race on race. Yeah, he'd only won one of his last five starts, Vanessa. But I think you've nailed that. He's just, he is the one who has been improving. He's the one who's been progressing. And this is clearly his trip. It was the, the opinion of many. It wasn't mine. I didn't think he'd win this race. But it was the opinion of many beforehand that he would finally get his ideal conditions. And he's thrived under them. Everything seemed to go right for Saxon Warrior until until the end. And, and we'll deal with that in more detail in a second. But up until he receives the three bumps, everything had, had gone right for him. And yet Roaring Line had gone past him. So yeah. I just wonder if they're going to feel... Well, Kevin, you must have a thought on that because I can hear a massive Tipperary in the background. That was a a cough. (laughs) (laughs) Sounded like a sigh. Uh, So would you assess Saxon Warrior for a so? Had everything gone to plan for him up to that point, had he then come under pressure and how badly interfered was he by the winner? Oh, I would. I wouldn't worry about the interference. The race was was lost at that stage. If you're Saxon Warrior, I think, um, he's run a super race. Um, he was he was good in the prelims. He was better than he was, um, prior to the Irish Derby the week before. Um, a little bit warm, but everything was warm. Um, a little bit on his toes, but nothing, um, that you'd worry about. And um, he settled very well for Donica. I thought, um, was in pole position. Uh, just in behind the leading bunch, he was in the right spot. He got the split when he needed it, um, travelled well, uh, and picked up to the line. And he just met one that was better than him, as simple as that. And to be fair to Roaring Line, he was better than him on the day. And I don't think he got, as Vanessa says, I don't think he got quite as good a spin through the race as Saxon did. You know, he was always going to have to drop in from his draw. Um, but he Oshin got probably got caught a shade wider than he would have liked, ideally. Um, you just have to love the ease with which he travelled into the race and he's picked up all the way to the line he's looked like a bit of a cork bag at times in the past and he briefly thought about going, though he did go a little bit left, Oshin quickly corrected him and he went back in the opposite direction um, he gave, look, I'm sure if Oshin had tried, you know if the deterrent was there um, in the rules to um, to implore Oshin Murphy to to keep Roaring lines straight. I'm sure he would have, but as the rules in Britain and indeed Ireland stand, uh, there's no great deterrent for for straightening up. 
So he let he let him continue to go right and ended up giving Saxon a couple of bumps. Um, it wasn't uh, a race ender for Saxon Warrior. I felt he was just, roaring line was on top of him at the time. It was very close to the line, but. For me, it was just another, and I want, this wasn't a terrible example of this, but it's just another frustration for me at the the interference rules in Britain and, and to a lesser extent in Ireland and how they are interpreted and how they encourage riders to basically, you know, not really be fearful of, of interfering with their rivals as long as it isn't really close, because in Britain, um, any distance more, any winning distance um, of more than a you know a nose or a short head. The, the results are rarely changed, and Oshie Murphy would have taken his his four day careless riding ban with a with a, with a wry smile um, because you know who cares about a four day ban? You've just won a Group One. Um, when the stakes are that high, four day bans just is not a sufficient punishment. Um, but there you go. Look, I, I've been banging on about this for years and years, and the very sad inevitability and thankfully it ha- I've been saying this for years and thankfully it hasn't happened but I just fear that this culture will end up in a horse or jockey getting killed um, because a rider is performing manoeuvres to win at all costs crossing yeah. horses late on and he'll, they'll bring one one clip heels and come down and then there might be a bit of um, self-examination from the authorities to say well Maybe this was our fault because we've encouraged this sort of thing by by not punishing it punishing it enough over the years. Um, again, I've got uh, it's a bit of a sidetrack, but I may as well get it out of the way early because um, yeah, we don't want to be rambling on about it all night. But it is a point that uh, I will continue making for a long time to come. I'd imagine. But I think you're right too, and I think there's no question that it will tragically, inevitably end up with somebody. God forbid, getting killed or getting seriously injured, and then the BHA will go, whoopsie, oh, oh, sorry. Um, We're going to have to take really stringent procedures to ensure that this kind of thing can never happen again. Whereas, without being funny about it, in Ireland or France, Roaring Lion probably gets demoted. Uh, no, no, no. Well, they've changed the rules in France, which I couldn't believe. They've come more into line with Britain, which is oh. mad. In in Ireland, it's they they give a bit more. Um, they 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 don't give quite so much benefit of doubt to the winner. Um, but still, you know that that wouldn't have been a reversal in Ireland. I don't think. You think he would um, have kept it? Yeah, I'd be pretty confident he would have. Yeah. In yeah, America. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's a conversation. Mm. They're good. They're strict there. And look, nobody, you know, ultimately we all want the best horse to win. You know, I think that's a given. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at, at, times, at times in America and under the old rules in France, you'd see cases where what was clearly the very best horse was chucked out because they interfered with something. And that's not totally satisfactory either. But, you know, I think the rules have to be strict enough to, to at least give the rider some incentive to keep straight yeah. and not allow their horses to lean all over their rivals when they're on their way past them and what have you, because it's just dangerous. And I'm not being a, a Johnny Health and Safety there now. I just, you know, nobody wants to see horses or riders getting hurt. And the way the rules are at the minute and the way they're interpreted, you know, I think it's 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 an inevitability. Um, hopefully it never happens, but I just fear that it will and I'm going to stop going on about that now, I'll, and I'll move on to the Stewart's Inquiry. Well, just, just um, before you do, Kevin, I, what I would view is, and I think Roaring Line should have kept this race, but what I would view as being a more serious aspect or a more serious event would be Bondi Beach versus Simple Verse. And I was thought it was the right decision on the day that Bondi Beach was given that race. I almost dropped my coffee when the BHA announced... Oh, we're actually giving it back to Simple Verse. We think that was the right thing. <laughs> and I thought Aidan O'Brien handled that with, with great dignity and class. But to me, that was an example of the steward saying, that was reckless riding. That was dangerous. You could have done serious damage there. And you have to have that classic taken off you. And then a few days later, oh, no, no, no. That's fine. Yeah, you, you get it. I, I thought that set, well, set a really dangerous precedent. Uh, well, that's all it was. The, you know, the appeal essentially you know, came to the decision that most stewards on most days in Britain would have come from. I thought the original decision was the right one, but it contrasted with what the majority of stewards around England probably would have done 
and given that scenario. So in, in some ways, you know, I can I can exactly see why they they changed that around again. But you know, it needs to be it needs to be an across the board thing rather than just a couple of stewards doing what they think is right. Um, it has to come across the board if it's to be meaningful. Um, but again, we'll move on. And I, funny enough, on the subject of that that infamous Stewart's inquiry where Conor O'Donoghue um, talked the hind legs of, uh, of Andrea Zini, yep. um, didn't our Stewart's inquiry this Saturday highlight just how utterly silly it is that riders are asked for evidence in these things? Exactly, because they have a biased um, view. It's silly. It's silly. They're go- they're gonna they're gonna lie. They're gonna exaggerate. They're going to embellish the truth. Call it what you want, because they're not stupid. They want to win. And they will put whatever spin they think they need to put on things to try and influence the stewards to, to come down in, in their favour. Is, uh, is there a genuine question? Is there, in your experience, has anything ever come out from the jockeys in a steward's inquiry that you haven't already known from watching the race? As in, no, no. You know, you know, like, and, and the thing is, as a jockey ever said, oh, he, he, he lent on me and he was, I don't know, shouting at me. I, I don't know, that's a terrible example, but something that we can't actually see on the race footage that affects the stewards inquiry yeah, that- and, and that's the way i do it that the only question that, that the jockeys should be asked is is there anything beyond the obvious here that you think affected you or your horse and if you know if they say no fair enough they say yes what is it and that evidence could be presented um, in the stewards inquiry but stewards are supposed to be racing experts they're supposed to be excellent race readers they have all the angles. They have the slow-mos. If they're not capable of figuring out what's happened using their own eyes, they shouldn't be stewards. Exactly. And, they, and they're inside in the stewards' room there for God knows how long, you know, asking in great detail the riders what happened. You know, when they're going to get a very biased version of what happened, when they could just open their own eyes and look at the footage and they can see, surely they can see exactly what's going on. And, you know, they ask both riders for their version of events. And then they went on and asked them more questions. I was throwing things there uh, in the middle of the parade. Like, what are you doing, lads? Jesus, send them. I'd say, thanks very much. Send them out and make your decision. Yeah. You know, this was a, this was a 1.05 shot in the exchanges for it to remain, for it to remain the same. You know, we all said it um, on air. Like, you know, this, this is, this would be a huge controversial shock if this was changed. Everyone expected it to, to remain the same, and yet we were all sitting there for 20 minutes um, waiting for this this long-winded process to play out. And I'm not for one second saying that they should be trying to get it out as fast as they can. You know, they, as we saw with the, with the photo finish debacle. Exactly. Um, the, Felix, the, the day, again. The day before. They, you know, the, 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 as much time as necessary needs to be given to these things, but most of the time that that steward's inquiry took was was wasted listening to jockeys giving biased answers. You know, it doesn't. It makes yeah. for good telly, and it, it it can give you a good insight into what's going on. But I, I, to be honest, I'd much rather listen to the stewards deliberating and coming to their decision than listening to jockeys giving evidence. And um, that would thing- that would be much more telling. I think. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, to, to point out, is like what you're saying, I think we're all in agreement. We're not criticising how long it takes to come to a decision once the decision to have a steward's inquiry has been taken in the sense that, you know, you can't rush that system. It's just that the steward's inquiry process is essentially wrong and, as a result, very lengthy. That's mm. what we're saying. Not, not yeah. on Saturday. Once we're not saying that on Saturday the stewards should have hurried up, basically, because they, you know, they were following procedure. So well, we're, we're definitely not saying that. We're definitely not saying no. that. But like, um, I, I was, I was on Talksport for the afternoon, and I, so I could see you, Kevin, but I couldn't hear you. But I could. We were on a I'm on a break, and I could hear you talk after they cut from the stewards' inquiry, and Ed asked you, and and your words, I believe, were that's just unnecessarily wrong, long, isn't it? That's just unnecessarily long. Like it's gone on. That's way a, I think, too I think long. I said just, just you know, these stewards have eyes. Why don't they use them? Yeah, like it was just very frustrating. And, and I know you know there's an element of bias there in that, from an ITV perspective, you want the result to be out before you go off air because it's a fairly unsatisfactory viewing experience for the viewers to for the show to go off air before you get the result. And it's just it was just a mess. It was why it was a we mess. Learn from other jurisdictions and the Americans, they phone the jockey. The jockey's brought on the phone. So if you've genuinely got a question for Donnick O'Brien, ask him. There's a phone system that's in place, and, and they, the camera goes on the jockey. And I remember this with Jamie Spencer on board Powerscourt in the Arlington Million. And he gives his evidence, and the other jockey gives their evidence. And 
then you can have the stewards disseminate what they've just got, look at it, and they can go, right, Vanessa, what do you think here? What do you think? Is Saxon Warrior really... That's a third bump he gets there, Vanessa. Like, is he, is he not being stopped? Is he not being finished? No, 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 no. The, clearly, the momentum was with Roaring Lion. And they can yeah, use the rides. Yeah. That's it. That's it. You know, they're supposed to be racing experts, you know. They're, they're like, and, you know, I've, I've been making this point for years. And you know what? It, and I've seen a number of... More than a number. Quite a few people today on the old tweet machine and that, in articles making the exact same point. And, you know, I, I honestly can't recall anyone ever saying, oh, no, Kev, no, 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 you've got that one totally wrong. This is why jockeys need to be asked. I can't recall anyone ever making the case in favor of this. Neither can I. You know, so, and please, if, if someone listening has a really good reason why jockeys should come in and be asked numerous questions by the stewards, um, you know, please make that case. But, you know, for something that that's, a lot, an awful lot of people seem to question, and there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of defence there for it. I'll say this: it's so, um, it's such a sort of like old school prep school way of going about it as well. I mean, the jockeys have to come in and have to say, "Yes, sir, I was given a bump, sir." And, and then, Mr. You know, Mr. O'Brien, Mr. Murphy, Mr. Murphy, how do you assess your uh, what and Mr. Then, O'Brien has to say to you there? And then it's like, God forbid, if Mr. Murphy, you know, if, if, if Mr. O'Brien says something and then Mr. Murphy wants to chip in, it's like, oh, excuse me, Mr. Murphy, Mr. O'Brien is talking now. Go on, Mr. O'Brien. Then Mr. O'Brien goes, ah, ah, thanks, sir. Thanks, sir. I mean, honestly, it's like we live like back in, it's like we're all in Eton and we're about to get yeah, hit with it's a silly. cane. It's ridiculous. I mean, honestly. It's silly. It's ridiculous. I will say this, two very well-spoken young men, you know, Sheen Murphy and Donica O'Brien, but Donica won that one. That was an exceptional He just told more lies. It was brilliant. It was absolutely... Listen, if they're going to oh, yeah. have that fight, system... Fight, if they're going to have that system... Yards. Listen, oh, yeah. All over me. Look, look yards. my horse is coming back. Like, my horse is a big horse. He's, an unex- you know, he's a big, uh, unfurnished, unexposed horse. He's coming back there at the line, and I've got no chance. Hey. Once I get that third bump, I have no chance. Donnaker O'Brien You can see, you can see him coming back there. It was brilliant. He's... He's definitely taken a leaf out of the. Um, he's read the sort of old motto of, you know, when you're in trouble, just lie, deny, and cry. Yeah. I thought, other than, other than actual tears, he's really pulled this one out the bag. Like, lie, deny, and then cry. If, like, honestly, I thought you nailed it. If uh, I, I now know why Jamie Osborne was was saying, well, he's clearly, uh, you know, the rascal of the uh, of the O'Briens. There's a bit of divilment in him, I think. And, Please stop Snapchatting my 16-year-old daughter. Um, to, to which, to which Donica then put a tweet up with a Snapchat from Osborne's 16-year-old daughter. Did he? I oh, didn't he see did. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He fired back again. He fired back again. Absolutely oh, brilliant. brilliant. So there's definitely a bit of development in the uh, triple classic winning jockey from this season. Um, right. So we look. We think it's going to be Jumpman International next for Roaring Line, and then Champion Stakes possibly, Kevin. Um, yeah, I'd say that could be the way he goes. Look, this was quite impressive from from Roaring Line. I thought, you know, Vanessa made the case. You know, he's just copped on to himself a little bit, and he's doing things the the, the right way around. John Gosden is doing an especially good job with him because, mm. you know, these horses they can that have a bit of a kink. You know, they can very much go the wrong way just as fast as they go the right way, and he's got it right with him. And um, and yeah, look, it, it, I'd be looking forward to seeing him in the Judmont. Um, wouldn't you love to see him again, Saxon? warrior again they're they're two two with the minute after four clashes um and you know i think with saxon warrior while he was second best on the day and no matter what way you look at it you know you his connections will be pretty happy as well you know i think he showed that 10 certainly suits him better than 12 at the end of the day it was only seven days after the irish derby so how how compromised do you think he was on the back of the irish derby run kevin that's impossible to quantify but there's good reason why um, top class trainers generally don't run their horses back a week after a group one. You know, they're generally considered to be better with with three or four weeks. So I think there'll be plenty of cause to think that he might be able to improve when he's a bit fresher in six weeks' time. And um, if they choose to go for the Judmont, you know, they could go for a mile. I think the Sussex would come too quick. They could potentially go for the Jacques Le Marois if they wanted, which is about, um, I think, four and a half weeks away or something like that. And they could do that, but I suspect, I haven't thought about it a bit, I suspect with um, Saxon, I think they'll go Judmont, Irish champion, 
and then maybe QE, depending on how it goes, obviously, but then maybe QE2 um, yeah. to finish up, perhaps. I think I mean, that would be... If, sorry, if, if they did go Jubmon and there was another, you know, clashing again with Roaring Lion, I know there's other horses in there, but there uh, is Massar, talk about Enable ending up there. Yeah. There is, and there's talk about Enable being in there as well. Nice. Um, although apparently that is her... We have an interview with Gosden that goes out tomorrow, and he was just saying that she's fine, but that would be her earliest return. Oh, like it'll be Yorkshire Oaks day. all over again, Vanessa. Yeah, I can't, I don't see her. Simple like, route. I'm sure. Yeah, it's very simple, exactly. Um, but like Kevin's saying, I mean, I made the point that Roaring Lions are doing all this improving and everything, but Saxon Warrior freshened up. You wouldn't want to bet against him on you know in the rematch, I don't think. It would be it would make that race incredibly exciting. Hmm. I think it'd be a cracker. That'd be that'd be a probably be a proper race. Yeah, because because really, you know, they've met four times. There hasn't been a whole lot between them um no. on any of the occasions. I know you can certainly make the case for for one or both of them, you know, not being at their very best on some occasions, but um, I think there's probably not a whole lot between the two of them. So yeah. Yeah. another, I'd uh, seen it again would be great. And, you know, now that, you know, they've been brought closer together again by, by this race, you know, I think we could give it a real good build up if, if they were to meet again and there'd be great excitement around that. And if you threw Massar into the mix, you know, that'd be better again. You know, he's already beaten the two of them over a mile and a half. So let's see what happens over an extended 10. You know, I think those, that's the type of race we could, we could really build up and, and make one of the, the, the highlights of that season on paper, at least. Yeah, big time. And this, the really, this is the, the other... This is the second time there's only been a neck in the winning distance between both of them. Uh, the yeah. Racing Post Trophy when Saxon Warrior got the best of them at Doncaster when Aidan O'Brien set the world record for group and grade one winners in the season. And, of course, uh, yesterday. Vanessa, your point? No, just one last point on Roaring Lion is that I know, obviously, that international has been talked about as the next... Um, port of call for him but potentially further down the line obviously the breeders cut with his breeding would have to be in their minds and the breeders cut mile and gosden was saying to lydia wasn't he that you know a mile and a half in the breeders cup wouldn't worry him that mm. much because it's much more like a mile and a quarter over here type of thing like mile and a quarter horses to get a mile and a half over there is what he was basically saying and that would be highly exciting um obviously by kittens joy yeah, and american breeding yeah. or over there um yeah so I, i'm super excited for that horse going forward if they can just keep him on this upward curve cliche mm. It'll be interesting to say the least. Uh, let's go for the first race at Sandown. So, Kevin, uh, judicial, uh, improving. He is six, but improving for the Elite Racing Club. And uh, again, in the winners' enclosure, it was a smart enough performance. Yeah, look, it was a, it was a funny race on paper. You were wondering where the pace was going to come from. In the end, Mirza went on, um, and that was a big help to Judicial uh, because he needs a small bit of pace in front of him, ideally. And look, he got the job done. Uh, Mutmir. Things didn't go as well for him and we got going all too late. You know, he's a horse that needs lots of pace in front of him, I think, and uh, to be delivered as late as possible for, th for things to go, um, you know, for, to, to, to show him to best effect. And I don't know if he's the same horse he was. He's an eight-year-old now, you know, so he's fully entitled to not be as good as he once was. But yeah. um, he's still operating at a very good level, to be fair. And, you know, group threes um, will be more his bag nowadays, I think, than group ones. Um, small mention as well for different league who I thought ran a very encouraging race compared to what she's been doing and um, I know in, in bare form terms this mightn't have been a big step forward um, from what she did at the likes of Ascot but it was the way she did it um, she had a rotten draw um, Wayne Lorden dropped in um, which was you know pretty much his only choice really um, and she made she made quite a big middle move that was very eye-catching and, and she, that probably just told on her late on she pretty, pretty most of her petrol was probably used making that move and she just flattened out a bit close home. But I think um, I think this could be a sign that she's on her way back and next time I think might be the one for her. Um, perhaps back over six, even though she showed her pace here over five, but I'd say back over six might suit her that bit better and um, her turn might be far away. Um, and yeah, looking that, expensive that's all I have to say there. Point. But looking an expensive purchase at 1.5 million to the um, street in, in, in a in a racing regard, but you know these, these fillies, um, you know if it doesn't work out in the race course, you know she's oh, a, yeah, she's, I'm sure. 
she's um she's a group three winner group one placed you know she'll if you send her back again in december you're probably not going to get your 1.5 but you you um you're not going to you're not going to be um, losing a fortune either, I don't think. Yeah, she'll be a valuable broodmare, which is really what she was bought for. But uh, you would imagine she can have her say in, in group races to come. Yeah, she'll be she'll be meeting Galileo not next year, I'd imagine. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Tiger de Terre. Quite the gamble landed for Tom Marquand and Richard Hannon. Eight to one. What price did he? Was it eight to one? I think he was ten to yeah. one the night before. He opened eight to one. And he's gone off nine to two, Vanessa, and he has. Yeah, I mean, he has. And a huge gamble on the day. Everyone was sort of talking about that in office and whatnot. Um, I mean, he's just the horse on the improve, isn't he? And it's great for Midland Park Racing. They put plenty in. Um, so it's nice for them to have a horse to take them to some high days. And I don't know where he's going to plan to go next, but I mean... You'd, you'd be hoping that he's going to be stepping up in grade now, won't he? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, his form, is it he had run... Oh, God, I can't remember now. Was he he was behind that Cascadian that won really that, that ran really well in the Group 1, right, at the weekend? Yes, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah. thought he Dom ran Dom an Dave absolute Bart. stormer yeah. yesterday, Cascadian, on, on Sunday, yeah. referring to. I thought he was going to win at yeah. one stage. He was the Dom horse I'd take out of that race. Horse. Yeah. So, obviously, look, he and that's that horse just got beaten a group one. So that kind of says all you need to know that he ran that horse pretty close. So, um, yeah, super exciting. But I was, I was just very happy for Midland Park. Yeah. To be honest with and you. second, yeah, to, here, here. second to tip to win, uh, back in his juvenile days as well. Kevin, your impression of this performance. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was kind of sweetened this fella after his debut. He was very, very good in his debut at Ascot. He looked like a bit of a rocket. Um, and I think, you know, having watched him and being a bit disappointed with him afterwards, he just looked a bit, bit of a slow learner there at times and different things went wrong for him. And he just looked like one of those. You're like, ah, you're going to be a small bit disappointing. But I think the switch into handicap company was a help to him here. Um, a little bit more pace on, a little bit more cover for him. And uh, look, he won well. You know, it was a brave shout for Richard Hannon to put him in against the older horses. There would have been plenty of other options for a horse with of his age with his rating but he took a chance and it worked out and he won a big prize here so so fair play to all concerned um couple of eye catchers in behind escobar is a horse i like um, now I think kevin now he'll... kevin if people uh... go through your twitter line they're gonna know why you're putting this horse up because last time out he was sixth to who <laughs> he shaped pretty well in the royal hunt cup to be fair to him as well he, he traveled very well for a long way and i uh. I am. Um, I'd be interested to see him back over seven if they ran him in, in one of the big seven furlong handicaps. Um, I'd be interested in him in one of those. I see he's entered up in the the Giga set at Ascot there in a couple of weeks. Um, over seven, and he's you know he's shown form at Ascot before. So if he ran there, I see he's he's a big price for that as well. If he lined up there, um, I'd be interested in him there, and also. Uh, South Seas is going to be winning a big one um, before the year's out. This is three times in a row he's he's caught the eye um, coming from a long, long way back. It, it was it was difficult enough to come from off the pace here, I think, um, the way it panned out. Uh, and you know, South he, Seas was well off the pace. And, he and he's is come. such a lovely horse as well. I'd take him home. Sorry, I know that's not like competitive racing chat but <laughs> he takes your eye in the paddock and he, they thought the, I think they thought plenty of him in his early days didn't they and then he's obviously had a few setbacks along the way um, but I hope he can I hope he I'm sorry to interrupt you Kevin no no, no you're grand you're grand agreeing that um, I hope he can sort of find sort of yeah find a bit better form because he deserves it he's been so unlucky yeah, no, he's he's been lightly raced there. He ran the, he ran well in the Jewhurst as a two year old, and yeah. won the Solario, I think as well. But yeah, he he'll have his big day now. He'll have his big day. They they could easily go straight into listed or group company with him, I'd say, and he do just fine. But while he's you know he'll have plenty of weight wherever he goes with a rating of one hundred and five, I think he's definitely capable of winning one of these. Um, stiff mile might suit him best. May they might even try him over ten. Um, in the not too distant future, but he, he's shaping well, and it, he just needs things to drop from. Loads of pace in front of him would suit, um, and he'd be the one I take out of that. I think. 
All right, the Carl Distaff then, Kevin, went the way of Guanroy Delargi. Awesome tank for William Haggis and James Doyle. And this was impressive. Yeah, this was a victory for tactics, really, because there was no great pace on paper and bar herself. But the problem was she had a dirty draw and it was going to be a case of how James Doyle could get her across and if he could do so without you expending too much energy. And as a pan as a turned out he, he was able to do just that she dictated she quickened and she ultimately won with a little bit to spare um i have a, I, and you know i think she she's she's going forward very much so and she could compete in group company but the, the second was my fancy in the race desert diamond and i definitely wouldn't give up on her um she had a dirty dirty enough experience in the sandringham and um, it was all just a bit frenetic for her and she got shuffled back and she's ended up finishing fourth and run very well and the the danger here in this race was that a mile might just be a little bit sharp for in this company and she's had a good position but she's been bottled up because awesome tank hasn't gone all that quick in front i don't think and um she just got checked at a vital stage and she has a bit of a habit of hanging to her right and she did so when asked to really go after awesome tank and it just cost her a little bit of momentum so Desert Diamond stepping back up to 10 next time. I think enlisted company in a, in a good handicap. Um, I don't, we'll see what the revised rating is with her. I'd imagine the handicapper will give her a bit of a poke after this. But um, yeah, she'll be, she'll be competing wherever she goes once it's over 10 furlongs next time, I think. 22 grand for the connections of Awesome Tank. How important was the fact that James Doyle had ridden her at Chelmsford last time out? I'm oh, sure it's always a help. It's always a help. But, the Doyle you know, he, he was a hostage to fortune here. Something that went forward on his inside and, and made her work. Um, they would have both been in trouble, but as it turned out, he was able to get the, it was so online like he was able to get the lead without having to do too much and was able to dictate from there. So yeah, there we go. Over to Haydock, and then we saw a photo finish. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, the photo finishes had to be corrected as it was Felix was doing it. So in actual fact, <laughs> God, God given. <laughs> We'll poor, talk, old we'll, poor old Felix. Poor old Felix We'll talk more about him in a few minutes. Um, horseplay just gets up under David Probert. Uh -huh. A cracking ride from Jamie Spencer and God Given. There was little, to say the least, Vanessa, in this. Um, Jamie's done all he can on God Given, but Horseplay is the one who gets the spoils. Yeah, I think two out, you would have um, you would have been back in God Given, wouldn't you? Horseplay looked like she was coming under a bit of pressure. Um, but she's so game. She's so, so game. And she, she looked a fair bit smaller than God given. And they both really put their heads down and battled to the lines. Another really good horse race. And forget this is like, it's a group too. It's a proper races. It was very important mm. for horseplay. She obviously had listed, um, a listed win before, but, and I think she had a group three placing, but obviously for her page, a group two win is huge. So that's brilliant because uh, she's, she's owned by the owner breeder, Philip. Friedman, um, those are those colours, and so it's lovely for him that that's a really big boost for her, and hopefully she'll go on to be a great mare. But um, yeah, no, it was another it was another brilliant race. I feel a bit sorry for God Given in some ways. Uh, she travelled much like she was going to go on a win, but then when Jamie actually pressed the button, she was very giving, but it was just a horseplay just grounded out right to the end. Um, I hope I hope they take horseplay to dun 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 is it the Lily Langtree? Yeah. At Goodwood. Yeah, at, uh, yeah. Yeah, the uh, yeah. Ten furlong the race. Mi the mile six. Mile six race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, no, the Goodwood, no. the group two there. I hope she goes there because um, you know, she looks like she'll stay further and with her breeding she she hopefully will. So hopefully that's where we'll see her next at Goodwood. And yeah, I was just mighty impressed with her. Um, they could step her up to group one and keep her at mile four, but I think she'll appreciate, you know, the way she stayed on there. I can't see why she wouldn't appreciate uh, stepping up a couple of furlongs, like I say, with the breeding. So, yeah, good result there. But um, God given will have will have her day, I'm sure, her group class day at some point. And another close finish this time in the old Newton Cup, where Rainbow Reel from Mark Johnston grounded out. <gasps> Switched to to his right, but came in came in with a big challenge over furlong out and just pounded them 
as Marco Body's crowned eagle tried to stay on. Uh, Addy Pierce, per se, whatever the hell his name is, has, uh, has, I mean, has tried to stay on under Addy Pierce. We'll go with that. But um, Rainbow Reel, typical, typical Mark Johnston horse. Uh, Mark Johnston loves a handicap. He loves a handicap, Mark Johnston, he and he's got handicap. another big prize here, Kevin. Yeah, just a good tough performance. It was it was proving difficult to come from off the pace um, at Haydock for much of the day, and uh, Rainbow Rebel was close to what's, what was a, probably an overly strong pace, and uh, and battled all the way to the line. To be fair, to Crown Eagle was was bang up there as well, and he battled away too, and you know gave gave. Um, lost nothing in defeat. I didn't think. Um, Atty Pierce has probably run a very good race. Um, Atty Purse on his um, <laughs> his comeback. Um, he was quite weak in the market late on, um, but he's come from off the pace, which wasn't all that easy to do. And I'd say he'll he'll build on this. Uh, and um, and yeah, that was pretty much it. I think. Um, on on, but whilst we're on the chat of Mark Johnston, I mean, yes, he loves a handicap. Thanks, guys. But that guy. I know, okay, I know we are all used to, and I think we've come a little bit blasé about it, Mark Johnson just banging out the winners all summer long because that's just what he's amazing at. And it probably goes a bit underappreciated. But he's had 28 winners in two weeks. And if you extend that back to 16 days, he's had 36 winners. It's ridiculous. 36 winners in 16 days. And I know, you know, people will be rolling their eyes and saying, well, it's a numbers game. He's got loads of horses. I don't care what you say. That takes some doing. It really does. 36 winners. And he's after. I wouldn't downplay that at all. I think that's fantastic. It's just a phenomenal, you know, this time of year when, you know, I know there's a lot of racing on and everything, but you have to keep those horses rolling. And he just, I, I don't know, sometimes I think he probably, everyone just expects him to have such big numbers. But when you really think about that, 36 winners in 16 days, you should be doing a little round of applause for yeah. him. Yeah, mini round, of applause, mini round of applause for Mark Johnston. And he loves a Royal Ascot handicap winner as well. Um, Kevin, let's switch to American Aiden, o Aiden O'Brien watch in America Belmont let's go to Belmont guys Mendelssohn oh. so for the second time uh, Ryan Moore has to ride Mendelssohn instead of riding Saxon <laughs> Warrior and for the second time it doesn't go to plan uh, better better this time in grade 3 company but still fairly well held just the nine and a half lengths back to Frenzy Fire uh, for Jason yeah, Severus, but uh, this was this was the comeback trail, wasn't it? Um, no, was it? You know, disappointing. <laughs> you know, they want to. Well, look, you know, you have to put it in the context that they they're hoping he could be a Breeders' Cup Classic contender. They still are. Um, and on this, and on, on this, he's not. You know, he's not. Maybe he needed the run, but geez, you know, you can't imagine he was sent to America really, really needing the run. Um, look, it's experience that will stand to him, but. Yeah, God, I, I couldn't have a huge amount of enthusiasm now. It'd, it'd be uh, in, in a competitive heat. It'd be up, up with one of Aiden's best training feats if he could get this fella to win a Breeders' Cup Classic, I think it's fair to say. So his assistant trainer was there, and he was quite positive on the run and, and said he'd spoken to Aiden and that will bring him on, and Breeders' Cup Classic remains the plan. Yeah, and good luck to him now, but I can't see it myself. Yeah. The thing is, there's going to be the small matter of Justify. So first, oh, yeah. first yeah. of all, you got to win one of these races, and then secondly, you got to go and take on Justify. Yeah, that's a huge, huge ask. Uh, Absolutely massive. Yeah, uh, Hunting Horn coming into this on the back of Royal Ascot ran a fine race, I thought, to be third under Ryan Moore. He's improving and improving fast, Kevin. Um, I don't know how big of a step forward this was, but he's run, he's run very well. Um, I'd say he, he has done something similar to what he's done at Ascot, maybe a little bit less. Um, and he's just run a good solid race. You know, he's, he's progressed very well. Um, of course, he beat Latrobe in a maiden back, back in April. And look, he, he's gone forward from start to start. And maybe he's just found his level. And maybe this is just him. Maybe he's a, a good kind of 112, 113, 114 type of horse. Um, and, and that's him. And there's no shame in that. But... Um, he'd struggled to win a, a Group 1 in Europe, I think. And maybe now that they've shown that he handles you know, really fast ground, such as this, um, that maybe he could be one to, to spin around the, the international circuit a little bit. 
Speaking of the international circuit, there was success on the night for a horse who was beaten in a maiden back at Leopardstown in April on her eighth start of the season, having finished third to Urban Fox a week ago. Grade one success for Athena. So it's just bananas. It's the way the way Aiden can get these hard these fillies, especially just to improve from nowhere, um, because <laughs> she was, was exposed in maidens, like properly exposed. Yeah. And you're like, okay, you're you're an eighty filly, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> off she takes, and before you know it, she's had three runs in a space of a glorified two weeks. Royal Ascot, the Curra, Belmont. And she, she approves from one to the next and wins a grade one in Belmont. It's just bananas. Um, absolutely bananas. And she was and, impressive too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I this mean, was, there was a bit of the peeping fawns about this in, yeah. in terms of just the, the, the arc of her improvement. Not in, quite in that level, but absolutely. Absolutely, Kevin. I mean, peeping fawn improved and, and is an example of just Aidan O'Brien's ability with Phillies. By uh, Camelot out of Cherry Hinton, uh, could she have her say in European pattern races? I think she could. You know, you have to give her a chance. Um, you know, she's clearly stepped up again here. I think um, you wouldn't be upset maybe to see her go back to twelve, possibly. But she's clearly very effective at ten. But look, her job is done now. She's a Grade One winner. Um, the very Camelot has just come alive this year, mm-hmm. as Manny hoped he would. To be fair, as a son of Montju, but he's really come alive. He said it. Um, Royal Ascot winners now and another grade one winner here and you know this is just a big big family you know Athena is a granddaughter of Urban Sea arguably the greatest broodmare of all time you know she's a this filly is a half sister to um, Bracelet an Irish Oaks winner you know Wading um, who was a very good filly before you know not quite she didn't get back to the track I think she won the Rockfell and she never raced again that was it Uh, but she was she was a very good filly and this this is just this is just the best pedigree in the book, probably. And now she's a Grade One winner, yeah. so it's it's job done. You know, it's job done. Well, if she if she if she never runs another step, it doesn't matter. Um, she she has her job secured, and um, and as mentioned, yeah, just a just a big win, a sequence of, of big wins for Camelot, um, Irish Derby, this Grade One here, um, a Chesham. You know, it just goes to show you. You know, that we've we've seen it, and and it wasn't quite, it wasn't nearly as bad now in this case. We've seen it. Kind of two seasons in a row now that a sire that has very much you know a, a middle distance slow maturing profile was written off by Manny after their first two year olds and the first example of course is Nathaniel who had an abysmal start with his two year olds by all accounts and by the end of his three year old year um, had done great things you know obviously headlined by enable but he wasn't a one horse sire by any means you know the, the the improvement they showed from two to three was. Um, stunning and Camelot you know while he had plenty of winners with his first two-year-olds he didn't quite have the the stars that you that you'd ideally like to see um, with a horse with his you know with, that stood at his fee and with his credentials and everything else um, they, they, they didn't quite come up to some people's expectations but now look with another with a winter under them they've improved an awful lot and um, and they're very much hitting the mark now and uh, you know it's great. I'm kind of happy for Montju. I have a soft spot for Montju. Yeah. And, and you know all of his sire's sons didn't cut it on the flat, really. You know he's having a great impact in the national hunt sphere, but you know you could maybe make an exception for Motivator, maybe. But it's kind of a push, you know, sire of Trev. But um, you know stands for ten grand in France. You wouldn't exactly call him a massive commercial hit. You would have thought um, that Hurricane Run would be, but he just it didn't happen. Didn't work out, you know. Arthurize, Fame of Glory, they're all doing, you know, Fame of Glory. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a real loss because he's flying in the National Hunt Sphere. Yeah. The Great Scorpion, yeah. of course. Um, uh-huh. yeah. um, you know, lead, Leading Light will get his chance in the National Hunt Sphere. You know, he has plenty of sire sons, but none of them just clicked as a flat sire. But it looks like Camelot could be the one to to carry on his legacy oh. now. And to be fair too, I mean, he's doing well as a broodmare sire. Yeah. Um, and I'm saying that from a completely biased position as I have one, but um, he's, oh. he's the broodmare sire of Legatissimo, Charm Spirit, um, Parish Hall, Journey. Um, I, I could keep naming there, but he's, he, and he's the, an, an emerging broodmare sire. And the horse that you have at Golden is? Um, oh, she's called Sense of Victory. Uh, she, won, she won a race for Johnny Murtha. Um, and she has a oh. Holy Roman Emperor affiliate foot. 
there you go. On the um, on the Camelot note, one thing I would say is like obviously, like you've said, Kevin. Often when a horse flops in its first season, the uh, you know general people in the bloodstock world are very quick to write a horse off or to be very down on a horse. The one thing I would say about Camelot, as you know, going around the sales looking at foals, is it was still incredibly hard to buy a nice Camelot. Yeah, yeah. It was no, like we we wanted one. You know, we were looking for one. We were pulling everyone out. We went to France for it. We went to all the sales for them, and yeah, look. If you had, if you have bottomless pockets, of course you could buy one. Just, I'm just saying, in the bracket we were looking at, there wasn't anything there because they were still very popular. Because there was still a very strong vibe to keep the faith, which is actually quite yeah. rare in the bloodstock world. Mm. You know, like I say, it's fair at people. As soon as a horse has a bad year, it's like all doom and gloom, and that's it's it, it's kind of a bit of a. I don't know, it's something that gets me a bit riled from time to time because they're just so quick to write stallions off and before you know it, they've gone off to Sweden or something and then they start banging out winners back here. But anyway, that's not the point. My point just to make is that Camelot was a rarity, is a rarity in the fact that breeders, pinhookers, everyone was keeping, did keep the faith. You know, a lot of people still, he was still very popular despite his first season. And now that's proving why. So every time we see a nice Camelot cross the line in, in front, me and Sophie look at each other and it's like, God damn it. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, cause I, think, one... I think a lot of people were, were keen to punt him because, you know, yeah. there were, he, he didn't quite come up to, to standard in terms of what he produced on the track. But a lot of people were still like you yeah. say, very hopeful that they'd improve from two to three and, and they were, and they wanted to buy a foal by him, you know, in case, you know, punt it and just in case what, what has happened, happened. Um, yeah, and sometimes, you know, <laughs> well, that's it. But the thing is, when everyone is thinking the same way, um, yeah. as you say, you don't get the value you, you hope no. you're going to get mm. um, because, you know, at the, the end of the day, if everyone's, if you're doing the same as everyone else, you're, you're probably going to end up paying more than you'd like to if you can get them bought at all. Just back to Athena, sorry, because Kevin, I know you have to go, but just the point on Athena and kind of the general chat about Aiden over Brian and this kind of new, not new, but, you know, the aggressive campaigning of good horses. Um, everyone was saying how brave and ballsy and amazing it was that they were running Saxon Warrior in the, you know, at Sandown. But for me, the Athena thing is next level compared to what they did with Saxon Warrior. I mean, the Saxon Warrior... I wasn't that brave in my eyes. If he flopped, then you just say ran too soon. And if he didn't flop and he ran a storming race, then you're a genius. So it was a bit of a not win-win, but you get the point I'm making. Whereas the Athena factor, it's just, I mean, Kevin's made the point, but it is just remarkable. Look back at her form and what get, well, the question I, in my naive way, ask myself when I'm looking at that sort of result is of all the fillies in his yard, of all the fillies that he's seeing every day, how does he, how does Athena put her hand up and say, I'm the one that you should run eight times this season, three, four times in May alone, and take me off to America six days after I've run and like placed in a classic? I just, you know, how do you know that she is the right, the, the one to kick on with? It's just, I don't know. It's just, it, well, that's why he's a genius, I suppose. But mm. it is a phenomenal achievement what they did with her. And she didn't just win. She scooted clear because we were che at home. We were cheering on the horse in second the way I am because we have um, her half-brother at home. Oh, very yeah. good. Yeah, really nice. So great to get a bit of group one black type, but obviously... But that pesky <laughs> Aiden O'Brien turns up with Ryan yeah, Roaring. It's $390,000. Aiden O'Brien um, yeah. hasn't won the Brownstown Stakes at Ferry House, and he still hasn't. Could it be love? Beaten by Chris Hayes and Bill Farrell with xenophobia. Vanessa, you were tweeting about this. The owner was kissing everybody he could find in sight. Probably Desi Scarl as well. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I actually, I, I must admit, I hadn't paid a huge amount of attention to the race in Ireland this weekend due to one reason or another, but I did see that race and that footage. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's such a cliche to say, well, you wouldn't see Aidan O'Brien doing that, but it's just nice when you see an owner like that. I mean, he, you know, the way he just waltzed up to everyone, was kissing everyone, and then he led his horse in like she was a show pony and he was so <laughs> proud of her and i just thought like if you're gonna if you're gonna foil the fate of the punted on favorite in a group three like that uh you've got to enjoy your day and he really did and i thought it was just nice that's all Vanessa, <laughs> I, I think i think he's italian isn't he 
Yeah, he is. He's actually on Twitter. And since I put that out ah, there, good, someone, good. Had be, someone had replied, being like, he's here on Twitter and whatnot. And he came <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. Vanessa, but, um, if he... Oh, here's Jamie doing some interviews at, uh, at the races at Windsor. Yeah. Uh, he's picking <laughs> horses out in the paddock. Um, Vanessa, if he had come waltzing up to you in the winner's enclosure to give you a, a big old sloppy kiss, would you have gone, get away from me? Or would you have just like, oh, yeah, okay. I think it would be mean to ruin his moment, wouldn't it? Like, I'm not, I'm not one for the sympathy kisses in life. But, you know, who would I be to just turn him down? No one else did. He kissed Chris Hayes and he kissed some guy. He, he kissed the horse. He kissed the, he kissed horse, the yeah. horse, yeah. Um, no, it was great. It was great. I mean, I, uh, you know, I'm sure it wasn't great if you backed the red hot Aidan O'Brien horse, but it was great from a viewing point of view. And finally... On the subject of from a viewing point, let's take a moment to reflect on Felix Wheeler. Back in <laughs> March, the BHA had to introduce a fail-safe system because somebody made a complete and utter cock-up. No, they only introduced it the other day. No, back in March, yes. the man called yes, the result yeah, wrong. Made, yes, 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 he did. Called the result introduced... wrong. So they had to bring in this fail-safe system and on the back of that fail-safe system, the same man, Felix Wheeler, was found to have had another omni-shambles moment. This time, saying that Rio Ronaldo had won, when in actual fact it was Vibrant Chords. Kevin, this is an absolute shambles. Um, I don't want to come down hugely hard on Felix because you know let let the let the man without who's never made a mistake throw the first stone but hey hey it's, we've it's, all it's, made it's, mistakes he's he's got one job as the twitter account said you've got <laughs> one job call the winner in a photo finish he's failed to do so twice if not three times in his career now i think um look it's, it's a bit of a disaster really but look he's made a mistake i'm sure he'll There'll be ramifications there on, on a personal level for him, and you know it, it's not for us really to, to to stick the boot in. I don't think that's overly fair. He'll be he'll he'll know better than anyone what he's done wrong here. But I think what what this case highlighted for me is that just the the, the BHA brought in the fail-safe system, but I think the way they did it maybe wasn't the most foolproof way because what the way they wanted to the way they they've done it is basically the judge will make his decision. It'll be announced uh, publicly, and then the picture will be sent down to the stewards for them to double check it. And it was during this double checking procedure that they went, "Uh oh, yeah, I think you're wrong here," and they revised <laughs> it, and it caused, you know, carnage in the betting markets, very unsatisfactory all over. Um, you know, the solution is pretty easy. Um, that when the judge makes his decision, he rings it down to the stewards; they get to see the picture, and um, they, you know. 99,999 times out of 10 out of 100,000 they'll probably say okay 100% yeah kick on announce it's done but in in that one case where an honest mistake has been made they might be able to say oh go oh, hold on whoa and you know it's revised before anyone knows any better um and that 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 would really be the ideal and i hope that this, you know, obviously completely unsatisfactory situation leads to that because, uh, and I, I'd hope they'd mirror that that in Ireland as well because this these situations just make the whole thing look so unprofessional oh, and look ridiculous. It's it's there's no one should be so proud as to have a problem with someone double checking their work. Um, you know the way they're doing it at the moment, it's a bit like uh, me, you, or anybody else composing an email and you know sending it before you proofread it and then going into your sent folder and proofreading it after it's gone and you make a clangor of a mistake in it and like oh, oh it's gone and you have to send out a correction or something dear so boss silly. please so do... ignore that comment on my email here's the actual one when the yeah that, 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 that's 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 a bugbear of mine people you know big professional companies that are constantly sending out corrections to press releases and stuff like that come on yeah. come on double oh, check gosh. triple yeah. check before you send them um, and again, I, and I, geez, I make typos in my blogs, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm far from without sin here. But um, I, you know, I think we all have to try and keep the highest standard we can for ourselves, and and not be so proud as to as to not want our work double checked. Exactly. Um, that would that would be my takeaway from this. But we, I want we've to all made on. mistakes. But I mean, I'll, I'll flash back to a day that the three of us were there. Royal Ascot when Merchant Navy gets called the winner. That photo finish went on for quite a while, quite a while. 
And they weren't afraid of that. They weren't afraid to wait until they were absolutely 100% sure. First, Merchant Navy, because it's such a big prize. That standard should be... <laughs> you, you, just wanted to, you just wanted to repeat Merchant Navy again with a big smile on your face. <laughs> While I wave the Irish flag. Go on, that's my color! But... You weren't waving the Irish flag all week, Kenley, were you? No, but I had a man standing right beside me who was right there along with me waving that flag I was Oh, I, yes, I, I absolutely was here's, not. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> TV3 viewers don't know because the footage would be caught beforehand uh, <laughs> you're so, an absolute disgrace so what I would say is to, to quote Clay Davis in the wire I'll take any motherfucker's money if he gave it away <laughs> <laughs> Emmett I will wave a Union Jack for money Kennedy <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right <laughs> if the director tells me to wave a flag then I'm going to wave a flag uh, I was told to wave a flag and I didn't wave the flag <laughs> uh, you, were, you were holding it and you were just you, like you politely put it away and the, and our, our producer was shouting at you to pick it back up again and you were pretending you couldn't hear her it was hysterical that's why I ho- yeah, that's why I so hoped you so I, close so it looked like you were holding it too <laughs> some things just aren't worth the slagging oh, oh we'll get we'll don't you worry, Kev. There's a plan in motion. <laughs> By the way, I got a I got a WhatsApp from Ed. I managed to injure my foot, my left foot, which is um, <laughs> severely swollen and bruised. Severely right? swollen. I had to go to the urgent care center of the Mercy Hospital. Uh, by the way, top job. But I was there for four hours. And so I was, I was going to do an interview. And, and the scan showed it was completely fine. No problem they, whatsoever. They had to scan it twice. I'm still limping. It's absolute agony. But um, I had to, I was doing an interview. Kevin was setting it up and I had to get in touch with him and say, listen, Kevin, I can't do that interview. And he's like, oh, you're all right. He says, well, my GP has told me I have a broken metatarsis. And he was like, Jesus. Um, so then he was like getting on to me about three hours later and I sent him a picture of the waiting room. And here I am, Friday night, you know, foot has to be elevated. So foot's elevated again. The next thing you get a WhatsApp from Ed. Heard about your foot. The thoughts of all the ITV team, especially the girls, are with you. I'm like, you absolute <laughs> bastard, Kevin. <laughs> absolute. Oh, Kevin Blake. Heard about your foot. Thanks, Ed. Thanks, Ed. Oh, highly amusing. Uh, yeah. uh, no one has more problems health-wise, really, uh, in, in racing broadcasting than you. Seriously, you I, I actually, I almost broke down in tears when, when the GP, uh, who's a brilliant doctor, told me. So he, he looked at it and he reckoned the bruising underneath my foot was so bad that the blood had to have gathered there and it can only have gathered there oh, due please, to a break. Please, so, please, please. He's, he's clearly a talking? terrible doctor. He no, he's brilliant. Well, he's an absolute genius. Talking? So, um, Stop talking. Straight to the... But th- thank God, you'll be glad to know, Kevin. No fracture, no break, just severe <laughs> I love, severe tissue damage. I love that me and, um, me and Kevin are such caring friends that we're just like, shut up, man. Shut up. Take Shut up, will you? Just take your painkillers. And, uh, we did not tell the listeners how this actually happened. <laughs> were, you, were you out wrestling with lions or doing something really manly? Maybe play, playing rugby or, you know, doing, doing something, you know, chopping wood or something. Did you what trip were you over doing? your cat or something? So, so Vanessa, <laughs> so Vanessa, I, socks in Moscow would never do that to me. So, Vanessa, I turned turn the corner, right, in, in the supermarket. I was looking, I was saying hello to somebody, and this young... A woman? This, <laughs> he, was yes. looking, he was looking for the pies in the top shelf. And this, and this young fella was strolling along, not looking where he was going either. So both of us were at fault, and he was carrying six two-litre sparkling waters, and he dropped them on my left foot. No, he didn't. Yeah. That doesn't happen. I kept on going, and then two days later, I was like, wait, I can't put any pressure on this. And then finally went to the doctor on Wednesday. It happened on Sunday. And he goes, yeah, you've, um, you've broken your metatarsal. I was like, what? So Terrible doctor. That was a doctor, Nick. Huh? Well, he does say hi, everybody, when you walk Hello, into Hello, everybody. <laughs> hi, everybody. Robbie Max. Yeah, Hello, Max-Tide. everybody. Hello, everybody. <laughs> uh, there's a man we got to get back on the show soon. All right, that's it. On that bombshell, we're done. We're done. Um, Kevin. I had something else to say. Well, t- no, tell, us then. tell us then. No, I can't remember. It was something funny. Vanessa, oh. has the oh. big breaking news come through? No. Oh. 
No. With some I, I have two. I have two good. I'm gonna just tee up some features. Shall I do that? Is, yes, quickly. Forward sell. Forward sell away. I, I think. I think you'll both enjoy these. So feature one. I'm pretty sure I told you guys about already. The Galway betting ring feature. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that is like you know wheels are in motion for that now. Excellent. Gearing up for that big style, listeners. That is ATR. Yes. Can you believe it? Have a, have let me go to Galway or are letting me oh, go? To they, they won't God. let you go to Windsor. They won't let you go to Windsor, but they will let you go to Galway. <laughs> to film a feature on the betting ring. And I'm hopeful it'll turn out as kind of a day in the life of an on-course bookmaker slash tales from the ring. So I hope you'll all be excited. If you have any ideas or any suggestions or anything to add, tweet me. I'm happy to listen to suggestions. And the other one, which is really fun, which I think might come off, is ATR letting me go to the July sales this week to... Ah. Um, feature hopefully if it happens dennis hogan buying a horse with some owners to try get to laytown and we're going to call the feature the road to the laytown winners enclosure and i'm no, gonna very good and buying it like training it potentially running it and then get hopefully if it all came off going to laytown so yeah, good 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 I think that'll be a really that'll be good, good one. Something for you guys to look forward to. That'll so, be yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, that'll be really good. And um, there is more bloodstock features. And my next bloodstock show. Yeah, just going to ask you. Blood... Yeah, that's. Uh, I'm off to Dali the week after next. So pretty cool gig. Off to see Dubawi. He had his hundredth group winner today. Uh, so he, you know, obviously <laughs> leading Dali. British side. Uh, so yeah, super excited about that. Obviously, boys in blue having such a good year, it just seemed apt we should go to the to the highest, the big dogs basically. Presumably, and, uh, Massar will run in the King George, Vanessa. Will he? I would imagine so. What? Why wouldn't he? Because they'll go for the Judmont. No, I'll go for the King George. We don't even know if he's okay yet. He's got to get scans. Be grand. He'd be fine. <laughs> Throw him in the King George, lads. Do the right thing. They must be sick that he missed the weekend. He'd have had a serious chance. Um, watch out for Vanessa Ryle and the Bloodstock Show and at the races. I will leave you with this bombshell. There is currently on BBC News, the Chiron, breaking news, Brexit secretary resigns. And underneath that, it says, and it's not a separate story. This is on the Chiron, which they add in. So it says... Brexit secretary resigns. Eight people remain inside the cave. And on that bombshell, we are done. <laughs> Thank you very much to Kevin Blake. Good luck. Great work over the weekend, my friend. Thank you once again to Vanessa Ryle. Thanks very much, guys. Coming to us live once again from At The Races in that room where she once couldn't find the light switch. And from me, Emma Kennedy, we will be back with you on Thursday to preview the weekend's action. Rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Have you downloaded the free app The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheracescom forward slash app for more details.